All right, everybody, we got to go on on top five tonight. We're doing the top five best replacement band members of all time. Welcome to Top Five with Joey Casada, starring Joey Casada. Team Jesus, my friend. No! Am I walking around, Park? Co-starring Ernie Palooza. And the doctor, Tommy Snyder. Goddamn. Now here's your host, Joey Casada. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Top Five. I'm your host, Joey Casada. And I'm Ronnie James Ernio. <laughs> yes, that's perfect for this episode, Ern. We are back. Better than ever. We had a couple weeks off, but we are back in the swing of things with the originals. Me and Ernie Byrne. How are you, Byrne? I'm good. I'm, I know we're back. I don't want to tell, let everybody know why we've been off. That my contract had to be renegotiated. We did. We were. So I didn't want to. I didn't want to talk about business on the air in front of everyone. But you're right. I had Ernie renegotiated his contract because he knows he's been a big star. His T-shirt on, on on Amazon right now is a is a bestseller, so you know Ernie's getting a little bit too big for this show. He had some other offers, and uh, you know Eddie Trunk reached out for him to be his partner on his show. I think um, Joe Rogan reached out. A lot of big big names reached out to Ernie to be a member of their show. But don't worry, everyone, we got him back. I made him an offer; he couldn't refuse. <laughs> yep. In other words, I told him I would never blackmail him and show the video of him vomiting in my house. No. I, that, would, that would work, yes. <laughs> well, this perfect transition. Speaking of vomiting, oh, we have another wonderful vomit story. Thank God. I mean, Ernie is a little bit involved, but it, thank God it wasn't him vomiting. So this last weekend, <clears throat> I had a ZO2 show. Um, we're back. We're doing some shows again. Sean McNabb from Dokken and uh, Lynch Mob and Gilby Clark from Guns N' Roses he plays with. Sean is doing uh, all the bass work right now. He's doing a tremendous job with doing some random shows throughout the year. Maybe we'll have a new album in the near future. We'll see what's happening. But we did whoa, 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 have a whoa, 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 Hold on. Don't talk too much about Sean McNabb. He's on my list. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, <laughs> son of a bitch. So we had a show this weekend in the, at the cutting room in New York City. Ernie and a couple of, of the old crew came down. We had Dino there. We had even Scooby came down. Margarita, Dave Prell, Manny the Mexican. Who else, Vern? Who else was there? Uh, Billy. Billy, big head Billy from, you know, top five fame. Babbles. And Babbles was there. We got a lot of, a lot of the old nickname guys were there. And, of course, we had the big ragu. Carmine was there, who refuses to come on the show. He's very, he's very sensitive about coming on the show. I invited him on tonight to tell the story, but I'll do a quick version of the story. It's rare that we all get we get all the boys out and uh, have a little night out together. And Carmine, I think, got a little overexcited. Would you say, Aaron? Over imbibed. <laughs> so. I, we don't exactly know what happened. Carmine still thinks someone might have slipped him something. I just think he's a wimp, and he just drinks uh, fruity beers all summer long. And he had a couple too many over the course of about an hour. After ZO2 got off stage, found him at one of the tables, basically unconscious. Uh, we tried to help him out. Dean walked him outside to, I think, believe vomit a little bit outside. Brought him back inside the cutting room. There's a nice couch upstairs. Of course, I was giving Carmine a ride home since he lives close to me after the show. I couldn't leave yet. Of course, I was supporting our, the other band that night, Rubik's Cube. My drums were still there. I had a lot to do still. I had a lot of business to take care of. Couldn't leave yet. Brought Carmine upstairs. Laid him out on this nice, beautiful velour couch with all these beautiful oriental rugs down. They were very nice and plush. Laid Carmine down, told him I'll be back for him in a little while to just, you know, sleep it off. 
before I got two steps away, he was reenacting the Ernie vomit scene from my house. I don't know why I'm always involved in this, but Carmine starts <laughs> vomiting all over the the rugs, the chair, the the velvet chair is ruined, and the rugs are ruined, and this Carmine uh, DNA all over the upstairs of the cutting room. You make us all sick. I, I, I guess so. I think it's me. <laughs> so, of course, the manager wants to throw him out. I beg the manager, please, he's with me. I got to give him a ride home. Long story short, Carmine destroyed the whole cutting room, threw up again outside, lost his wedding ring at one point, screaming at me that he, his wedding ring is gone. I'm oh. not sure how, when you're vomiting, your wedding ring flies off. You tell me, Ernie. What what could he be? What could he have been doing that the wedding ring went flying? Well, I know when I was at your house, I was flailing about. <laughs> well, you know what? Give me a little reenactment. Show me what would cause the wedding ring to go. Blah. <laughs> yeah, and that's definitely what you were doing, and that's kind of what he was doing. So I get it. So we had some other people crawling underneath the cars outside the cutting room. We found Carmine's wedding ring. Long story short, an hour later, I dropped him off in, in, in front of his house, like at the at an animal house. I put him in a shopping cart, wheeled him up to the front, rang the bell, and ran. Who found the ring? <laughs> um, actually, Jim, uh, Sherry's husband, found the ring from Rubik's Cube, found it under my car. I don't know how the hell he found it, but Carmine's lucky he did. <laughs> So we could we couldn't solve Rubik's cube, but they solved the problem. Huh. Yeah, they well, no one could ever solve a Rubik's cube, but we can solve the missing ring of Carmine's after the vomit. I think it's covered in vomit too. But Rubik's cube could solve solve this problem. That's interesting, I guess. Existential. Again, <laughs> I told Carmine I'm coming to his job this week, going over to his boss's desk and vomiting all over the place. Sure, I love that. <laughs> it's only fair. Is it right? Am I right? You got to stop by my house on the way to make a mess too. <laughs> yes. Oh, I still, I will get you back one day. I don't know how yet, but it's coming. And your wife for leaving you here. She loves us. <laughs> Before we get into tonight's topic, we're going to do a great episode tonight. We got the top five replacement band members of all time. But before we do, Christmas season is coming, everyone. We have a sale on all the top five and ZO2 and Z Rock and Wrestling with Joey Licious merch on Amazon right now. If you go on Amazon, type in Joey Casada, all the merch will come up. Top five, the Ernie shirt, the new Doc Monster shirt is up there. Top five logo shirts, Joey shirts, Z Rock shirts, wrestling with Joey Licious. We got everything you can you can handle. Great gifts for the kids, Ern. Great gifts for the grandparents, whoever needs them. Who doesn't want one of these shirts? I, I agree. Mean, the biggest of the Cabbage Patch Kids of, of this generation. <laughs> I did hear that there's a craze going on for the for the for the Doc Monster and Ernie shirts right now. They're battling out for number one. I saw it on the news. <laughs> All right, what else is up, Ernie? Anything else to report before we dive in? Well, we got to do. Uh, what are we drinking tonight? Oh, nice. Without the doctor, uh, let's see. I'm, I'm I'm afraid to ask, Bernie. Let's play the infamous. The world-renowned, Bernie, what are you drinking tonight? This is the same beer I had on my very first date with my future wife, Colleen. Wait, don't show. Oh, is it cherry wheat? Yep. Yes. Oh, that's a different label. Yeah, it's not It's not what it used to be. How is it? I haven't had a cherry wheat probably since then. I think I wasn't I out on the date with you guys? <laughs> <laughs> well, the same sentence applies. It, it It's not what it used to be. <laughs> well, it is what it used to be. You're just not what you used to be. Yeah, I'm, I'm I don't know. I've, I've lost my taste of any alcohol whatsoever. Ern, the first your your first date with your wife. That was before or after we called her from Atlantic City when we were in the hot tub. That was uh, one day after. One day after the date. Mm-hmm. Mm -mm. <laughs> no, the, the, the date was one day after. Oh, okay. Right, right, right. And what did you do on that first date? I, uh, I, I, she said I didn't talk. I just stared at her. <laughs> <laughs> didn't eat, didn't talk, just watched her eat, right? Yep. 
Oh, this poor, this poor woman. No wonder why she left you at my house. Deathly <laughs> ill. Kids saying goodbye to you. Bye, Daddy. I'm, I'm such a romantic. You don't want to hear something funny. So my kids, so Carmine, I had to drive Carmine home. And uh, luckily, he didn't vomit in the car because my wife would have killed him. But my kids were asked, I, you know, I was telling uh, my wife the story the next day. And the, the kids heard the story. And they heard that Carmine was vomiting. And their first question was, was he screaming like Ernie? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's I, <laughs> I said, no, he wasn't screaming because that really would have been the end of me at that. We would have never been invited back to the cutting room. If that was you screaming at the cutting room, vomiting, forget the state, everything would have stopped in his tracks. <laughs> All right. So let's dive into this episode, Ernie. This is going to be a good one. We were back and forth about what qualifies as replacement members and stuff like that. Any qualifications, any Ernie rules tonight? Well, it's too late. <laughs> we have to talk right. about it ahead of time. I'll, I'll do how I, the rules I followed. Uh, number one, they had to at least release an album before the person joined. Yeah. Okay. I don't necessarily follow that rule, but I, 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 I don't mind it. All right. Where are you starting, Ernie? What do you got at number five? Ah, uh, um, well, I quantified my scores. I actually mathematically figured this out by using a valuated where um how great they were before compared to what happened afterwards. Um, now wait, so are you saying that your your qualifications, if the band wasn't as good afterwards, does that necessarily mean that the replacement player was the cause or just Timing? What do you? What, I mean, well, there's no way of, of proving that one way or the other, right? Um, I, I mean, I'll say I'll say one example. I won't say it because I have a feeling it's on you. He's on your list, but there's one guy where the group was so big without him that I he wouldn't make my list. But I have a feeling uh, this guy might have made your list, so I'm not going to say it out loud. <laughs> All right, come on. What do you got? Number five. Okay, my number five occurred in 1980. And I was thinking about it. One day we're going to have to both talk about how great 1980 really is in general for music. Um, Ronnie James Devo. Well, Ronnie James Dio. Did I say Devo? <laughs> Devo. Well, that's. I think that's another band. But I, was was he ever the singer of Devo? Ronnie James Devo. <laughs> it might be the same year. Right? Uh, leaving the Great Rainbow and joining the even greater Black Sabbath. Um, now I know you might say. I just talk about value-added. The group was obviously bigger with Ozzy. But I say no, because the last two albums with Ozzy, they were they were done. The last what two albums. What were the last two I don't know Sabbath that well, but what were the last two albums with Ozzy? Technical Ecstasy. Whoa, 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 whoa. Technical Ecstasy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what was the what else? Never say die. Gotcha. Definitely the two absolute worst Sabbath albums with Ozzy. I mean, nobody would argue that. Uh, but with Dio, they never reached the height of when they were with Ozzy. Well, they got they got a lot bigger than Sabbath then, with those two albums. Agreed. Right. Like, um, Technical Ecstasy was seventy six, so they were the, Sabbath in the late seventies were crap. But again, I don't, I can't think of it as, oh, the album's better, blah, 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 popularity, because that could just be a time issue, whatever it is, like you'll see later on my list. The question is, do you like Sabbath better with Ozzy or Dio? I know your answer. It's going to, it's going to be with Ozzy if you look at the uh, six albums in the early 70s, but I like the albums with Dio better than Technical Ecstasy or Never Say Die. I think Heaven and Hell, that one album that came out in 1980, is an incredible album. It's There is no throwaway track on that entire album. Yeah, listen, I mean, obviously, I know we joke about Sabbath all the time on this because the Doctor's a big Sabbath fan, and we used to always battle who's better, Kiss or Sabbath, Kiss or Sabbath. And I always said how much I, I dislike Sabbath. I will tell you, I don't dislike Sabbath. I don't. Songs, players, musicians, music, I like it all. I, what I never liked, I don't like Ozzy's voice, especially even more so when he was with Sabbath. Some of his solo stuff 
it became a little less screechy and whiny for me. Some of the Sabbath Ozzy vocals, I just could never get into. So when they when they got Dio, I I for me they're a better band. They're more metal. They're more yes. streamlined. They're more like um radio oriented almost. Well, Dio's. I mean, listen, Dio's one of the greatest metal vocalists of all time, if not the greatest. I mean, he's incredible. He's a better singer than Ozzy. Absolutely. And you know, you know, the old argument, you know, with Snyder, with with Doctor, he Ozzy never wrote his lyrics either. So it's not, he didn't have either. He didn't. He wasn't a good songwriter, and he wasn't a good singer. Right. It was Sabbath. Oh, no, you're, you're, you're right about that. It was Sabbath. Just, I mean, Ozzy was a, there. Ozzy, Ozzy, obviously, the personality of Ozzy, the mystique of Ozzy was what made that that whole band. You know, the songs that, that Geezer and, and Tony Iommi and all of them wrote made Sabbath. But then Ozzy's antics made Ozzy be who Ozzy was. And then late, later years, Ozzy's solo career Randy Rhodes, Bob Daisley, right? All of them were the ones who wrote all that stuff. Ozzy, again, never really wrote anything. As much as I love Sabbath, I'm willing to speak matter-of-factly about Ozzy. Ozzy, I think, just happened to be there. Yeah, agreed. I mean, who knows how much better they could have been if it happened to be somebody else. Agreed. But, but nevertheless, those songs with Ozzy in the early 70s are mm. the greatest music I've ever heard in my life. But yes, matter of fact... To get back to that person that I was hinting about, which I'm not going to say out loud because I do know you happen to like him, but um, <laughs> the singer before him, when they when this group made their seminal stuff, the incredible stuff, the singer is not a good singer, in my opinion. Well, the, the original singer of this group was a really great guitarist. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> We'll see if it comes up later. The original singer, I think it was not was not <laughs> great. He just happened to be there. <laughs> well, let's talk. If that comes up, let's talk about it then. No, oh, it'll come up. I know you. Good good start. Good start. So my number five, and it's so funny. Like most people don't even know this. I didn't know this growing up. But this guy was not the original singer for Journey. Steve Perry. Back in one of our, one of our former episodes where we picked, you know, our favorite uh, band members of all time in each slot, vocals, drums, guitar, bass, so on. Steve Perry might have been my favorite vocalist of all time. One of, if not, Michael Sweet from Striper, Steve Perry, Ray Gillen from Badlands, all these guys. My buddy Eric Martin from Mr. Big, I got to give him a shout out. All these guys are incredible. Steve Perry was not the original vocalist. For Journey, it was Greg Raleigh, right? So, I couldn't even name him. I didn't even yeah, know. Yeah, and, and obviously, you know, they were still a popular band, but they didn't become the Journey that we know until Steve Perry joined the band. Jonathan Cain, of course, started writing music as well. And that's when Journey became Journey. 98% of the people do not even realize that Steve Perry, I, I forget, there's at least three or two, three, four albums without Steve Perry on them. Obviously, none of those songs are being played live right now, but those there were still three, four albums before Steve Perry. Steve Perry is an incredible choice. Steve Perry, I I, I know uh, uh, the doctor always says he wasn't on my radar. That's a perfect example uh, of that's better than my choices. If I would have thought of Steve Perry, he could have been number one. I just somehow I missed it. It's a, well, it's a, perfect, a perfect choice. That's why I'm here, Ernie, to educate you. Yeah, yeah, you won already. <laughs> you, you, you win. Come on, number four, what do you got? All right, I was a little surprised that this one wasn't higher, but this group was peaking even before he joined. Uh, my number four is Brian Johnson joining ACDC. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, I'm I, surprised that's number four for you. Well, the group was peaking before he joined, though. The album before that was Highway to Hell. It's... But again, I'm but, of course, but I'm not thinking of it like that. I'm thinking of it as the opposite, almost saying, "Yeah, they were peaking. This guy took over, and he was seamless. If anything, they became bigger." 
That is so. Hard. How could how could you not? That's I mean, what a what an I didn't. He would have been on my list, but I, I thought I actually thought he was going to be your number one. So I didn't put it. I don't think of it as oh, they were already peaking, <clears throat> therefore the replacement didn't bring them you know to this stardom. I think of it as the opposite. It's way harder to replace a player <clears throat> or a singer in this case when they are peaking. Because everyone knows <clears throat> the, the original singer, right? Bon Scott, to replace him at that moment is honestly almost impossible. Do you, do you want to know who first mentioned Brian Johnson would be a good replacement for Bon Scott? Oh, Bon Scott. <laughs> <laughs> but who, yeah, was bon, who was Bon Scott? I don't know any backstory of Bon Scott before ACDC. No, and Bon Scott was in ACDC, though. He used to be a fan of a, a band called Geordie in the early 70s that Brian Johnson was the singer. And Bon Scott said to the rest of the band, he would be a great replacement for me one day. Shut up. Is that true? Yeah. I never heard that story. That's insane. Is that even how, you know, the Young Brothers knew about Brian Johnson? Or they, they did they ever tour with them? Or uh, I, I only... Uh, picked up that much of the story i don't know that's just a great question i don't know that whole acdc is one of those bands that i love so much that i don't really don't know the history of acdc of how they found brian johnson how that whole thing went down even the formation of acdc i don't know much about them brian johnson even the first choice who was the singers of crocus and the singer of slade turned Mm -hmm. it down they they turned them down. Yeah, the the thing has turned it easy down. <laughs> good choice, especially the guy from Crocus. I mean, but they would have both been good. Uh, you know how I feel about the uh, about Slade. Oh I, yeah, I, of course. I love that guy. Hey, I found something interesting about the uh, the one album that that first album that Brian Johnson did with ACDC. Except for Thriller, more copies of Back in Black have been sold than any other album in the history of Earth. Is that insane? Yep. 1980 also, Ernie? 1980. Wow. Said, so, we're going to have to have a discussion one day about yes, 1980. We will. Top five moments of 1980, whatever. We could do stuff like that. Yeah, crazy. Holy cow. But a, a quick story about Brian Johnson. So I always, listen, I always loved ACDC. But you know, I don't think of Brian Johnson as this powerhouse vocalist. He's got a unique style who delivers the ACDC songs really well. We did a show, ZO2 did a show, um, Brian Johnson, um, Cliff Williams, and a couple of other band members from ACDC were doing a show. They asked ZO2 to open. We would, it was like a, for some kind of charity. I forget what it was for. And I remember we had to drive from like Chicago all the way over to Poughkeepsie, New York. We went through the night. We, we just got there in time, played the show. We even jumped on stage at the end to play Highway to Hell with them. I was playing like percussion. Paulie was playing guitar. Incredible. But what blew me away, Brian John, I've never seen ACDC live. One of the only bands I've never seen live. This little theater, when I say little theater, you know, whatever, 1,500, 2,000 people. This little theater, Brian Johnson's voice, I still to this day have never heard anything like it. It was so powerful in this little theater blowing the roof off this theater i couldn't believe how powerful his voice was well i don't know i don't know if i'm gonna call it good and obviously it's not a sweet sounding voice it's not steve barry but the power behind his vocals took me back i was like i can't believe what i'm what i'm watching right now i uh, i the first time i heard acdc when i was a kid i did not like his voice it's a bit of an acquired taste sure but, but well, once you're there, it's 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 he's wonderful. Agreed. And I just something funny about about actually Brian Johnson. Um, one of the songs on the that album, "Given a Dog a Bone," yeah, is obviously about a girl doing something. <laughs> um, so it's double entendre, and then Brian Johnson's initials are BJ. So now we're talking triple entendre. Oh Jesus Christ! I think we just created uh, something. I think, I think that's a new word. I like it. <laughs> I'm trademarking it right now as you speak. I'm calling Gene. Gene, hello, this is Gene Simmons from Kiss. Gene, yes, I want to trademark a triple <laughs> entendre. <laughs> I'm sorry. 
I've already trademarked it. Yep. <laughs> Many years ago. <laughs> Great choice. All right. My number four, possibly somewhat we've already uh, mentioned in this episode, but I think you were mentioning, again, if it's the same band we're talking about, the original singer, one of the greatest front men in the history of rock and roll. Was he a great singer? I don't know what that means anymore. Wasn't a great vocalist, if you want to call it a vocalist. Didn't have a great voice. But was he the, one of the greatest singers of all time? I think he was. So I, Because I think of singer as a different word than I think of as great voice. So, But his replacement, again, my thing is when you can replace someone at their peak and Van Halen, 1984, 1985, were at their peak. 1984 Van Halen album, they are on top of the world. Hot for Teacher video, Panama, Jump, all those videos on the air, sold out world tour. They are the biggest band in the world still, Van Halen, 1984. Their singer leaves or, or gets thrown out, depending on who you listen to. How do you replace them? How do you replace Bon Scott? How do you replace Ozzy? How do you replace David Lee Roth? And Van Halen did it. They, they replaced him with Sammy Hagar and didn't do what ACDC did. ACDC basically got a guy, not that sounds like Bon Scott, but had the same attitude, the same vibe, seamless transition. Dio, not so much, but Sammy Hagar was exactly the opposite of David Lee Roth, if anything. He played rhythm guitar. He had a more melodic voice. He had a raspy voice. He had a soulful voice. David Lee Roth had none of that. David Lee Roth was 99% charisma, 1% voice. That's what I was, Which, I was thinking at in the beginning. Yeah, yeah but, but somehow it worked. I mean, the 5150 record, his debut record, Sammy's debut, is really one of my fan, favorite Van Halen records. If not, I know it's sacrilege. If not, my favorite Van Halen record. I absolutely love it. So Sammy had to make my list. You know, Hagar's career started before Van Halen even existed. Yeah, sure, sure, of course. Obviously, um, old man Mon Montrose, and then uh, obviously his solo career, of course. I think it's interesting uh, about Hagar, and yes, I, that's the, the person I was hinting because David Lee Roth is not a talented singer, he but not a talented singer meaning just is his voice very, really, really good? Is he? But he. You know, when you say a talented rock and roll singer, I don't know if there's any more talented than him. Not voice, not his his vocal cords, not his texture of his voice and his phrasing and his live vocals, but he had an intangible that you can't replace. Uh, you would have to go in a parallel universe where you've never heard him and have somebody else sing it to really know the truth, though. But, well, here's a question. Is Van Halen Van Halen without David Lee Roth? If they started with Sammy Hagar, do they become the Van Halen we know? Well, we, would, we wouldn't know the Van Halen we know. No, but would they, be, would, they, would they have reached the heights that they reached? Would they have reached the stardom they reached? Would they have reached the popularity and influential band that they, they became? In my, in my feeling is no. The, the 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 first six Van Halen albums are everything to me. And I, yeah, I agree with you. Not not because David's vocals are so great, but because they worked perfectly for what Eddie was doing, what Alex was doing, what Michael Anthony was doing. The blend of them, they became this party band. And I kind of, I still am a firm believer that they started that hair metal movement. And I don't consider hair metal the makeup and the big hair. I consider it. The party atmosphere, the feel-good songwriting, everything was a party and, you know, I want to do this and I want to have fun and I want to, you know, drink and the drugs and all this stuff. Van Halen, to me, is the ones who started that. It's funny um, uh, to quote ourselves, but um, we did an episode with Chris Jericho about uh, hair metal bands and we had decided that Van Halen 1, the first, is the big bang of, of hair metal right then. I it's think it is. It all started with that album. Yeah, I do. I really believe that. I really do. And, and not because of the music, because of the message and the attitude behind the music. Yeah. Heavy metal was very serious in, in America. It was 
Van Halen was the first group to really have fun with it. And and in I America, was in America. In America, right. England, and I, England, England had Slade, but Slade could never break in America for some reason. You know, and I you know, I always give the doctor credit where it's due. So Doctor was the singer for uh my old our old band Playground, right, that you managed and also caused to break up. Uh but the doctor had that David Lee Roth quality. Back then I didn't appreciate it as much. Of course I did, but looking back, you know, I wanted serious and we were trying to get a record deal and we were trying to do this and you know, we wanted to be make sure everything was perfect and you know, pretty and good and blah 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 whatever it was with the songs we were writing, but he had that David Lee Roth quality and the perfect example of that is when we would play that club Christopher's on Quentin Road in Brooklyn. Doctor had the you know the Animal House house down the block where everyone basically lived and partied and all that stuff. It became this crazy party frat house. And one night we were going to Christopher's just to support some of the other local bands. And the rest of the bands all decked out, looking like rock leather jackets, looking cool. And you know the Doctor didn't show up until later, and he shows up with no shirt on and hockey barrels and whatever. If you don't know what hockey barrels are, they're literally big huge hockey shorts with pads in them and suspenders and we were like embarrassed we were like what are you doing you idiot you know you're making us look bad looking back greatest thing ever that's what we should have been that's what rock and roll was that's what david lee roth would do that's also what ozzy would have did yeah definitely all right back to you our number three oh uh, now that you mentioned Playground, I'm wondering if you're going to be your own number one. <laughs> uh, number three. Uh, in the 90s, Metallica, Slayer, Megadeth, Anthrax. The big heavy metal in the 80s. But in the 90s, they were not what they were in the 80s. 90s, they all got weak. For heavy, heavy metal, the 90s belonged to Pantera. So my number three is Phil Anselmo joining Pantera in 1986. Nice now I'm not choice. saying I'm not what? Nice choice. Oh, I'm not saying they're better than Sabbath or ACDC, but value added is incredible when you compare the three albums they released before him. Even even Pantera pretends those albums don't even exist. I don't know much about them, but correct me if I'm wrong. They were more of like a hair metal band, right? Before that? Yep. But they, they, they but they don't even they pretend those. They call Cowboys from Hell their first album. Right. Well, it's it's so funny because, you know, obviously people can rewrite history. Mm -hmm. I don't even know that those albums exist. I knew of the band before them. I knew they had this hair metal lineage and they had a different singer. I didn't actually realize they released albums. They have two or three albums before Cowboys. They have four albums before Cowboys. Wow. And what do they sound like? Like what kind of bands? They sound like bad Van Halen. Wow. Incre- yeah, I mean, again, if you're talking about a replacement player changing what the band is completely, you can't even pick someone better than that. Skid Row kind of went a, a, a similar transformation, although they, they, they didn't change their singer, but they also started um, getting heavier and heavier with their albums. Yep. But they kind of, but uh, but for them, it went the opposite way for them because they were so Skid Row was so popular amongst that hair metal crowd with "I Remember You" and "18 for Life" and those these sweet melodic songs. And there's some don't get me wrong, some of the first songs on that first uh, Skid Row album are heavy. When they started doing you know Subhuman Race and all that other stuff, it turned a lot of the original Skid Row fans away. Even though they gained some new heavier fans, I don't know if that heavy Pantera community ever or would have ever accepted Skid Row to be that heavy band. But I do feel that's what Skid Row was chasing. Agreed. Oh, I agree. Yeah, they were changing for the right reasons at the right time, and they were they were releasing the right kind of music, but I think it was too late at that point. They had this pretty boy image already. I remember you. You can't get past, you know, I don't know if it was a number one song, but it had to be close. A song like that. Pantera didn't have that. If if Pantera would have had a song like I Remember You and then replaced their singer with Phil Anselmo and became the Cowboys from Hell, uh, Pantera, I don't think they would have been accepted either. So they were lucky they didn't have any hits. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 
Interesting. Nice pick, Ernie. Out of nowhere. So my number three pick is boring. You already said it. Dio replacing Ozzy. Definitely a great replacement for me just because, again, I'm not an Ozzy fan. I, I am a big Dio fan. And I really am a Sabbath fan. I just don't like Ozzy's voice with Sabbath. So when I hear, like, when Dio did a lot of the Heaven and Hell stuff, even hearing some of old Sabbath stuff sung by Dio before that, I like it. And I like some of those Sabbath songs, Sweet, uh, Sweet Leaf and all that stuff. I just don't like Ozzy. So when Dio replaced him, I was all for it. Good stuff. All right, back to you, Ernie. Number two. Bruce Dickinson joining Iron Maiden. Good one. I mean, they had two albums before them, and I happen to like those two albums. But... Oh, is it? I thought it was only one. It was two? Killers and what else? Iron Maiden. Oh, I didn't really realize it was the first one. But with Dickinson, they uh, <laughs> they entered the stratosphere. Um, and he and he brings so much talent with him. I mean, he even pilots the tour plane for God's sake, <laughs> which is insanity. Now, if people don't know what that means, Bruce Dickinson is an is a pilot now of, of an aircraft pilot, and when they're on tour, he actually have their own Iron Maiden jet. And he pilots the jet after the shows to go to the next city. <laughs> you picture the playground jet, Ernie, and the doctor piloting the jet after the shows. And they still release new music. I've, I, I, what they do is when they up tour, they come around twice every time they release a new album. Once to, to promote the new album, then a second time, like a greatest hits thing. To make everybody... <laughs> question for you my brother and i were debating this over i think it was over thanksgiving so in the early 80s late 70s early 80s when when maiden was beginning priest and maiden were kind of considered you know neck and neck or priest was the bigger band of course at the time how did maiden become so astronomically bigger than priest where did that happen how did it happen Bob. Well, Number of the Beast, Peace of Mind, Power Slave, and Seventh Son of a Seventh Son. So do you um, think yeah. so you, you think it was the actual albums and the music? Yeah. My my brother was saying that he thinks it was just more of the fact that Maiden became an overseas touring band. They you know, they toured, you know, South America and all these other countries and they, they started the, the, that younger fan base knows Maiden, where the younger fan base doesn't know Priest as well. So when you go to Maiden shows and Maiden sells out Madison Square Garden and, and Priest is selling out the local theater over there, he thinks it's because the newer fans, new younger, the younger generation knows Maiden more, especially like the, um, the foreign crowd from other countries. It's a possibility. It's an interesting idea. You know, we uh, you just made me think of something ridiculous. Um, um, you talk about David Lee Roth before, yeah, singing Panama. Isn't it funny that Sammy Hagar now lives there? That's it. Does he? That's where he lives. No, but he 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 lives in that area. <laughs> that's funny. But that is something true. I, I never like I could buy Dio singing the Aussie songs. I loved obviously Brian Johnson singing the Bon Scott stuff. I love the Sammy Hagar Van Halen. Don't love Sammy singing the Dave stuff. All right. I'm... And vice versa. I could never imagine when Dave come back, came back, he, them, them doing any Sammy songs. Oh, def definitely not. Oh, my God. No way. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So my number two, this is a big one. Number two, already. One of my favorite drummers of all time. One of my favorite musicians of all time. One of my favorite band members of all time replaced one of my favorite band members of all time the person who got me into playing drums so of course talking about kiss we're talking about eric carr replacing peter chris again this is obviously a big moment not only from in my life but in history peter chris the original kiss drummer in their heyday all the you know the biggest band in the world throughout the late 70s and stuff comic books and and movies and all this stuff peter chris was there 1980, Peter Chris is asked to exit the band or is fired, you'd want to say. And they get an unknown Eric Carr into the band. Anyone who's read my book, Start With a Dream, uh, available on Amazon, by the way. You, you know the story of, of when I bought my first record 
Kiss uh, Music from the Elder. I was already a big Peter Chris fan. I saw Peter live in 1979. I bought the album The Elder, and it said Kiss drummer Eric Carr. There was no picture of him. It was just the cover of The Elder was a hand on the cover. Blew my mind. I didn't know who this mysterious Eric Carr was. Loved his drumming, but more so loved the mystique about, holy crap, who is this new Kiss drummer? Why did he replace Peter Chris? What does he look like? What kind of makeup he what kind of makeup does he have? And it took me a good year to even find a picture of him. There's no internet, there's no Google. I'm going through magazines at magazine at newsstands trying to find a picture of Eric Carr. And Kiss is dead at this point. So I couldn't find one. It wasn't until the album Creatures of the Night came out and I saw it at, at Sam Goody, local my local Sam Goody in Kings Plaza Mall. Then I saw the cover of Creatures of the Night that I finally got to see what Eric Carr looked like. Your, your pronunciation of his name, though, the guy who replaced Peter Chris, isn't it pronounced Anton Fig? <laughs> I might be pronouncing it wrong. You son of a bitch. Yes, yeah, so people who don't know, yes, technically Anton Fig recorded two albums for Kiss, almost two full albums. Oh, that's well, it? But Peter, but Peter was still technically in the band. So Peter just didn't appear on those records, Dynasty and Unmasked. And then Eric came in to do the, the Unmasked tour. Uh, but Peter still did the Dynasty tour, even though Anton played the drums on that record. I but Eric Carr, I mean, I, I can't have an episode about replacement players without picking Eric Carr. He was almost my number one. But there's someone else that I had to put number one because I couldn't imagine this band without this person. So we'll get to that in a minute. But let's we're up to you, Ernie. You're number one. Let's recap what you got so far. Number five, Ronnie James Devo, as you first pronounced. <laughs> Ronnie James Dio, uh, replacing Ozzy. Bon Scott, number four, replacing, I mean, sorry, Brian Johnson, number four, replacing uh, Bon Scott. Number three, Phil Ansamo from uh, Pantera. Number two, Bruce Dickinson. <laughs> my uh, impression of Iron Maiden and your number one best replacement band member of all time is it's a no-brainer my number one most valuable replacement Ian Gillen joining Deep Purple in 1970 really it's a no-brainer compared to what uh, they had three albums before him um they even had a top five hit without him. Who was the singer? Uh oh. Crap! Like it's not coming to me right now. I don't know either. Who was the original singer for them? Tell me more about him while I'm looking it up. Uh, well, the original singer that had a top five hit, a song called "Hush." <laughs> but uh, but with Gillen, they changed the world. He's but uh. What the hell was the name of the original? I can't believe I can't. I should know this. Rod Evans? I keep thinking Evans. Yeah, Rod, Evans. Rod Evans. Vocalist Rod Evans. Ah. Interesting. I don't know that name at all. Yeah, this was an easy question then to me. Although, Steve Perry was off my radar. Ah, I like Steve it. Perry, Steve Perry is a great choice. <laughs> no, Ian, listen, Ian Gillen's a great choice. I just, he's not on my radar at all because I didn't even realize there was another single besides him. And I, don't get me wrong. I really like Deep Purple. I never went down the Deep Purple rabbit hole. I gotta, That's something I would like me and you to, to uh, snuggle one night and you introduce me to. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let me recap mine. Number five, Steve Perry. Number four, Sammy Hagar. Number three, Dio. Not Devo. D-O. D-I-O. <laughs> number two, the late, great Eric Carr. And my number one replacement, I think we already argued about this. I don't know how there could be any better replacement band member than the master himself. Mr. Ringo Starr, replacing what they call the fifth Beatle, Pete Best. I know they didn't release an album with Pete Best, 
but he was technically a member of the Beatles. He played Beatles. He played shows with them. And he even started recording the first record. And that's when they replaced him. And, you know, there's to me, there's, you know, Ringo, I, even though he's one of the most popular, if not the most popular drummer ever, I still think he's underrated. People think he's just an average drummer. He's an incredible drummer that plays for the song, has absolute musical, melodic drumming. Um, I can't picture the Beatles with anyone else. Oh, they didn't make my uh, rules, so I couldn't choose them. <laughs> but, he but it wasn't like he was a member of, what was the band before they called themselves the Beatles again? The Silver Beatles, the Quarrymen. The Quarrymen, right. He, but he was a technically a member of the Beatles. And he even, like I said, started recording that first record with them or you know, some of the singles. And that's when I think John, Paul, and George were all like, we got to replace him. And I don't know if it was because of his playing, because of his attitude, whatever it was. And I, and I don't know the full story of how they found Ringo, but God, what a perfect fit. I can't even imagine. Just, just demeanor-wise, attitude-wise, voice-wise, texture, style-wise, I don't think the Beatles are who they are without Ringo. Uh, yeah, they're, they're a popular group, actually. They're a popular little group? Yeah, <laughs> they did all right. Yeah, they sold a couple of records. This is a good one, Ern. This was a this was one I had in my in, in the pipeline for a while that I wanted to do. Um, I think people overlook a lot of these band members. Stuff like Steve Perry, stuff like Phil Anselmo, stuff like Ian Gillen, um, even Ringo to an extent. I think people forget that they weren't the original band members. And I love to 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 tell people these stories and the histories behind bands and. I'm going to go listen to some early Pantera right now to see what the hell it sounded like. Oh, boy. <laughs> Why don't you give me some honorable mentions? Yes, give me a couple. Okay, I'll start. Um, they didn't release any albums, but they did release a single, so I counted this. Bon Scott was actually a replacement singer. Whoa. Who was the original singer? Uh, Rod Evans. No, that's <laughs> that's deep purple. <laughs> I I can't remember the name of this guy either. But they actually released a single with the guy before Bon Scott. Really? Can I sit next to you, girl? Can you hear it like on Spotify or anything? Oh yeah. Wow. I mean, I, know that. I don't I don't know what Spotify. I I listen on YouTube. Yep. Oh, I gotta go listen to that. Even that, I love that. What else? Well, oh, this. Let's go back to Deep Purple again. 1974, Ian Gillen leaves David Coverdale and Glenn Hughes oh, joined together. <laughs> which is really insanity. Two of the, I mean, two of the best voices in rock history. Joined insanity. the same band at the That's same time. Insanity. Insanity. I, I, can you imagine what that must have been like? <laughs> Holy shit. Incredible. I got one for you. People won't love this choice, but... and. I don't know how I'm picking because it's a member of an Aussie band. But I got to tell you, I, I love Jakey Lee's guitar playing. And obviously, he replaced the late, great Randy Rhodes. But I got to tell you, I was never a fan of Randy Rhodes' style. Never loved his tone. Jakey Lee, to me, took it to a different level. Um, Bark at the Moon, uh, Ultimate Sin stuff. And then later in Badlands, I just love Jake's style, his tone, his songwriting. Mostly his rhythm playing was, to me, incredible. Love Jake. Right now, I don't like your tone. <laughs> Trust me, I can't imagine that's a popular choice because Randy Rhodes is, you know, oh. one of the most beloved guitar heroes ever. But I got to tell you, I enjoyed, I enjoy Jakey Lee's playing way more. I like Jakey Lee, but the, the Randy stuff is, is all for me. is much better. In my my opinion, listen, definitely more original, definitely more you know classical in his tone and his sound and maybe his songwriting. But Jakey Lee just had that you know, obviously he was a member of Rat of Rat originally. Jakey Lee and Warren D. Martini together have that that rhythmic rhythms and style that I love, sound that I love, chunk that I love. Always like Jake. It's funny you mentioned Rat. Um, have you ever listened to the uh, YouTube the, uh, the show Lost in Vegas? No, it's a it's it's a reaction show, but these two guys there, 
they're, they're great. They're very entertaining to watch. And they're, they're listening to all the stuff we love. And they've never really heard it before. They come from a, a hip-hop uh, sensibility. Right. And, um, out of all the 80s stuff, hair metal stuff, they tried it all. But they really appreciate Riot. Really. They, they love Riot all for some reason. It's, yeah. it's so funny to listen how much how much they they hold rap so much higher than all the other groups. I gotta tell you, Rats a band, and I agree, especially back then, they were as big as anyone, right? Especially without out of the cellar. They for some reason, I guess just in the public's eye or in I don't know what it is, but in, in history, they didn't age like the other bands. I don't know why. I'm not sure if it's because of Stephen Piercy, the way he, you know, his attitude, whatever it is. But they didn't age. There's no reason Rat should not be up there with Poison, Bon Jovi, Cinderella, all these other big 80s hair bands. Rat was just as good, if not better, than all of them. They have their own sound. They really yeah. do. Yeah. All right. This was a great one. Um, let's just talk about T-shirts again. Go to Amazon.com. Get all your top five merch. Get all your Xerox merch, get all your Joey Casada, your Ernie shirts, your Doc Monster shirts. Just type in Joey Casada on Amazon or top five with Joey Casada on Amazon. My whole store will pop up. You'll be able to get all the merch at a discounted price for Christmas. If you order it now through Prime, free shipping, guaranteed to have it for Christmas. Uh, set, oh, sorry, Rambo. Send all your emails to joeycasada at gmail.com. That's Joey Casada. I'm sorry, Joey Casada. Top five with Joey Casada at gmail.com. Top five with Joey Casada at gmail.com. Send us your remarks. Tell us who your favorite band replacement members are. Give us some comments on our picks. Give us some comments about topics in the future. Let us know what you think. Ernie, any last words? Rambo's obviously has his. I just realized that our our names of our dogs are from the same time period. Much. Tell them your name. Jedi. Rambo and Jedi. Rambo, come here, baby. Rambo. Oh. He's 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 uh he's he's uh I don't know what he's doing, but he's he's scared of me after last. <laughs> You're right. All right, this was great, Ern. Any last words before we go? Uh goodbye. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Thank you.